بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين الرافد هارا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم إنما الأعمال بالخواتيم The actions are judged based on their endings So the fact that we're trying our best within each of our capacities to finish Ramadan on a strong note tonight and then hopefully tomorrow during the day, inshallah, is a good sign for all of us. And we ask Allah to help us to keep some of the good that we established in this blessed month. We ask Allah to help us to keep some of it going even afterwards. No one can keep that Ramadan pace going throughout the year. But if we can take a fraction of what we were doing and keep that going, then that's a sign of a truly fruitful Ramadan. Because if you think about the example of someone going to school to study something, whatever it may be, the whole point of studying is to apply that knowledge for much more time afterwards working in that field. So if somebody, if they go for an engineering degree that takes X number of years, the intention is to spend far more time practicing in that field in comparison to the schooling component. So if you think of Ramadan as a school, Ramadan is supposed to impact the other 11 months out of the year as well. During the month of Ramadan, Allah shows us within ourselves what we're capable of. Allah shows us within ourselves that we're capable of even avoiding what's halal. So naturally, especially after the month of Ramadan, it should be a bit easier to refrain from what's haram. And it's also worth noting that the month of Ramadan is obviously literally a month. If somebody is going to build a good habit or break a bad habit, they're different. There are different opinions within the realm of psychology. One is 40 days to make or break a habit. Another opinion is 21 days to make or break a habit. If you go with the opinion of three weeks, that's very interesting. Why? Because Allah gives us three weeks in Ramadan to, even within the month of Ramadan, to clean up our act. If we didn't already do so beforehand, before we start trying to seek out Laylatul Qadr. We ask Allah to accept all of our efforts and to overlook any of our shortcomings. Amin Rabbil Alameen. In terms of the, the last juz, the last para juz amma that we find, the first point that I want to highlight is when you look at Surah Al-Naba, Surah Amma, towards the end of the surah, Allah Azza wa Jal makes it very clear. And you find this concept time and time and time in the Quran. Again and again and again, it constantly goes back to taqwa. It goes back to taqwa. It goes back to taqwa. So Allah says in the surah, إِنَّ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ مَا فَازَ Allah mentions that the people of taqwa, they are those who are truly successful. Those are those who are truly victorious. Allah tells us in Surah Ali Imran, فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَانِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدْ فَازَ How does Allah Azza wa Jal describe success? It's always in connection with taqwa. It's in connection with the heart of the person. Regardless of how wealthy a person may or may not be, how this or that, right? They may look externally or whatever they may have in terms of different material blessings, etc., etc. Whatever someone does or does not have with Allah Azza wa Jal is never priority number one. Priority one with Allah Azza wa Jal what he looks at, and our Prophet taught us this, Allah doesn't look at your, your wealth or your forms, rather, he looks at your hearts and your deeds. We live in a society where there's so much emphasis on how you look 
physically, not just in terms of your physique, but in terms of your dress, in terms of your style. And these things generally, they have their time and their place, but in this society it's taken to an extreme where everything is based on what the eye can see. We live in a society that is very advanced technologically, but extremely, extremely, extremely dwarfed spiritually. There's so much emphasis on, on the next phone and laptop, all that is fine. But then you have all kinds of social issues popping up and creeping up more and more and more and more and more. Don't be surprised over the next years, the next 10 years, to see far more stuff trying to justify incest. I understand it's vomit worthy to even hear that, and I apologize for that. But you see one thing going up technologically, but then this is what happens. You find people now crossing more and more and more and more boundaries at a rapid pace because we live in a society that has turned further and further away from any concept of God and atheism is becoming more common and atheism ties in with other issues literally in connection with Satan, with Shaitan, with the devil. That's real. And you have all these, and you know the concept of hiding in plain sight. You have all kinds of different celebrities and this, talking about different rituals with blood. And, and then, you know, last year there was, what is it, the little Nas X guy, which had, he had these demon shoes and with human blood in them. And subhanAllah, how does Allah describe success in connection with the heart of the person? Allah mentions in Surah Ali Imran, for, for whoever, فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ النَّارِ Zuhzih is kind of like zalzala, right? Within the word, you have this sound effect, which is an indication of the meaning. Kind of like ping pong, for example. Whoever can, like if you're trying to, to move a boulder, you're going to be panting and completely out of breath just to move it an inch. You're going to be panting. <sighs> Whoever can, even if you barely miss the fire, and you're entered into the garden, Allah describes that as success. So what we're supposed to do is to take a step back and reflect, how do we think of success? What do we truly understand to be success regarding us and regarding our kids? Do we truly understand in our heart of hearts, which Allah can see that too, in our heart of hearts, do we truly place taqwa at the forefront or is it something else? These other things, they have their time and their place, but the way that Allah describes taqwa in the Qur'an, the way that Allah Azza Himself describes success in the Qur'an, these two are always paired together. These two are, are, are constantly interlaced and interlocked. You can't have one without the other. This month is a month of cultivating that taqwa, that relationship with Allah Azza that relationship with our Maker, with our Creator. If we can put in so much effort for a month, after that month is gone, it would actually take conscious effort to go in the wrong direction. Like you would have to legitimately try to consciously undo the, you know, think of these like, think of each day as like a knot. Think of like a huge tug of war rope. Imagine there are 30 knots in it and they're each, you know, bound so tightly. And the only way to undo them is to really put all of your effort into undoing even one. So if somebody's going to do all 30, 
then the, the Prophet warned us of this situation. Some people, they fast and they gain nothing from it other than hunger and thirst. And some people, they pray at night, they gain nothing from it other than exhaustion and fatigue. The point is to become better people, to become better Muslims, little by little by little. No one is saying to do too much all at once. But what's a small good deed that each of us found ourselves in our hearts gravitating towards, really loving it with this deep, exceptional love, and we found it easy, that's something you have to continue after Ramadan. Some people find it very easy to give extra sadaqah, and they find it extra sweet. Keep that going after Ramadan. Later on in the juz, in the para, in, we find this concept in Surah Al-A'la as well as Surah Al-Shams. In Surah Al-A'la, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ In Surah Al-Shams, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ The way that Allah, again, how does Allah describe success? In connection with purification of the soul, purification of the heart. If Allah describes those who do that, those who purify their hearts and their souls and their lives and their wealth, not just their bodies and not just the halal chicken that they care so much about it being zabiha, hand slaughtered, mashallah. That's a blessing. But if the money is haram, that chicken is haram. If the money is haram, that chicken is haram. You can have the most pure diet, everything. You can have zabiha vegetables if you want. If your money is haram, it's not going to matter. How is the character at home with family? Has it gotten better during this month or has it gotten worse? Have there been more blow-ups at home with full justification or has there been more patience and more internal training, more purification of the heart and soul? That's who Allah describes as being successful. May Allah make all of us from among them. And then when we look all the way at the end of the Qur'an, if you look at the last 10 surahs, the most recited surahs, of course, other than Surah Al-Fatiha, it's almost like a, a mini seerah. You have Surah Al-Fil, when the Prophet was born, You have Quraysh, the tribe of the Prophet, After that, you have Al-Ma'un. Some of the challenges, there are different opinions. Is it Meccan? Is it Medinan? Is part of the Surah Meccan, part of it Medinan? The point is, these are the types of challenges the Prophet faced in his mission, he had to deal with some extremely tough people. There may have been some good on the outside, but internally there's a whole lot of messed up stuff going on. فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ It's a harsh ayah. It's a heavy ayah. It's a very jalali ayah. Allah says there is a wail can be understood as woe, like W-O-E, woe be unto you in Old English. Like watch out, be careful. There's a cliff. So you think of the signs that are going to be there. That's the feeling of wail. But wail is also a valley in hellfire. So if someone doesn't take heed, then that's where they're going to end up. Allah says that for people who pray, there are going to be people who pray who also end up in that place. Why though? Because there's nothing internal whatsoever. They waste their prayer. They dispose of their prayer. If someone has been praying... All, you know, all their daily prayers during the month of Ramadan and extra and sunnah and taraweeh and witr, all that is good in and of itself. But if internally someone is still arrogant, what have they gained? If someone is still really, really messed up internally, then what have they gained? Are they even aware? Is there a sense of self-awareness internally? Or is it complete ghafla, complete heedlessness? If someone is in that heedless state, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ Allah Himself gives that very pointed warning. In the surah after that, Surah Al-Kawthar, 
it, it teaches us how to flip our perspective. The prophet was insulted because his second baby boy had died. So he was insulted, saying, oh, you're uptar, you're cut off, no one's going to remember you. Here we are, how many centuries later on the other side of the world, saying, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanallah. So that, that surah flips perspective. There was this deep pain, this extremely sharp pain that was caused to the Prophet. Allah flips it. The first, the first ayah, Allah highlights the good side of life, the blessings that Allah has given him in this life and then also in the next. So pray to your Lord and sacrifice. And then at the end, regarding these types of people, Allah is going to take care of them. Surat Al-Kafirun, again the staunch enemies of the Prophet ﷺ. You have, uh, uh, after that you have Surat Al-Nasr. At long last, after all of that struggle, the opening. Allah gave the Prophet the opening. Allah gave the Prophet this victory. So there is that light at the end of the tunnel. After that you have a special, unique surah, which we can't get into now. No one is criticized with such a heavy sledgehammer in the Qur'an like Abu Lahab by name. By name. That's what happens when you mess with the Prophet. You can't go there. You can't go there. Especially because of who he was and how close he was to the Prophet. And So right from the beginning, how he responded had a very negative side effect. So Allah criticizes that. You have Surah Ikhlas. He was trying to prevent people from connecting with Islam. Surah Al-Ikhlas gives us a summary of what we believe as Muslims regarding who Allah is. And who Allah is not. The first two ayahs, we do believe this about Allah. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدٌ So affirmation. And then the last two ayahs are negation. لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفٌ أَحَدٌ So there's what we believe and there's what we don't believe. After that, the last two surahs, we have protection. In the occult, in that demonic realm, we ask Allah to protect all of us from that. The number 11 is a very important number in those satanic rituals and practices and all of that scary stuff, the number 11 is very, very uh, commonly featured. How many ayahs do we find in Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas which the Prophet taught us to recite after the daily prayers before we go to sleep to connect with him constantly? You have five in Surah Al-Falaq, you have six in Surah Al-Nas. Five and six is 11. So there may be the illness, but we have the protection and we have the cure. One of the healthy signs of a person, again, having a fruitful Ramadan, can they keep anything going regarding Qur'an afterwards? Especially Qur'an. In the middle of, I'll conclude with this, in the middle of the Qur'an, roughly in the middle, in Surah Al-Nahl, Allah says that when you recite Qur'an, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ That's in the middle third of the Qur'an. In the last third of the Qur'an, all the way at the end, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ There's an indication here. That's supposed to connect with Fatiha and then the beginning of Baqarah and then فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And then what do you do after that? You loop around to the next round of constantly connecting with the Qur'an. We ask Allah to make it easy for all of us. We ask Allah to accept our efforts and overlook our shortcomings. Amin Rabbil Alameen. This will be our final Saturday night sweetness of the month of Ramadan. I have one trivia question for the youth who are here for grades eight and younger. Whoever answers it, you'll get, I'll give you four pieces of candy, inshallah, and then all the other kids, I'll meet you in the hallway because we don't want to hold up tarawih. Then all the other kids who are here, just for being here is awesome. Just the fact that you're in the masjid as a young person is phenomenal. 
keep doing that, especially Saturday nights, even after Ramadan, inshallah. I have one trivia question, but you have to raise your hand to answer it. After this process, I'll go to babysitting and give them uh, their candy as well, inshallah. My trivia question is this. What it, you got to raise your hand though, you can't yell it out. I know some grown-ups want to answer too, but let's give the kids a chance for this time. Grown-ups, we can coordinate after Ramadan, inshallah. The question is this. What is the shortest surah in the Qur'an? What is the shortest surah in the Qur'an? <laughs> we have some... You're in eighth grade? MashaAllah. No, we... Here. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. The shortest surah in the Qur'an. You can be number two. You have five seconds. Huh? Surah Kawthar. Good. What's your name? Subhan? Subhanallah. MashaAllah. May Allah bless you. May Allah fill you with abundant knowledge of benefit that's good for you and your family and the ummah. May Allah protect you and your family always. Amir Rabbil Alameen. So I'll meet you here in the hallway. I'll give you your, your four pieces of candy and then all the other youth, eighth grade and younger. You can meet me as well if you want to get a piece. If you want to stay in your place, may Allah bless you for doing so. If I was a kid, I'd go for the candy. Jazakum al khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.